Okay, welcome back, and thank you for being here. Uh, today is Wednesday, October 21. <clears throat> Moving through the uh, end of the year up to the end of 2020. It's been quite a year. I imagine next year will also be quite a year. Uh, completing the Nalaka Sutta, uh, the 11th of the third Vaga Mahavaga chapter of the Sutta Nipata collection of five chapters and 71, lots of suttas. This Nalaka Sutta, as a review, Tanasaro wrote up and said, the first part gives an account of events soon after the birth of the Buddha to be when he was a bodhisattva. And I, as I said last time going through it, that's significantly um, <laughs> depictions of cosmic rejoicing. <clears throat> and that may have been the case, um, but I don't find that so interesting to get into. The second part describes the way of the sage. Now, the way of the sage, uh, looking for more information on the sutta, uh, there is another sutta that is related to this because of the, you'll see the term, the term in the sutta <clears throat> is sagacity. And Gautama in the second part, uh, prefaces all of his teaching to Nalaka with this saying, I'll explain to you a sagacity hard to do, hard to endure. And so we're talking about uh, a, a very focused, uh, high <laughs> gradient or steep rock face ascent path uh, to complete and perfect awakening, enlightenment in this lifetime. And the term sagacity uh, is related to uh, something, two terms. One is called moneya, and that is related, makes me think of a word called muni. And the original <clears throat> Pali word that's translated or written in English as it, Moni, monia, M-O-N-E-Y, like money, Y-A, moni, money, ya, <clears throat> I think is actually um, not separate, and it may even just be a different romanization of the word muni. So the word may have been munia. Now, some people don't know that, <clears throat> meaning you've never heard the word muni, but the, the traditional uh, appellation or epithet for Gautama is uh, Shakyamuni, the Muni of the Shakya clan. Now, from Wisdom Library, um, the term Muni in Sanskrit is used in all sorts of branches of uh, Hindu culture. And in Buddhism, uh, the write-up is Muni, refers to great sage, right? Sagacity, the way of the sage. The Monia Patipada, meaning the Muni, I think, the sagely or the way of sagacity, patipada, patipada meaning sort of discipline uh, path, um, I believe is probably related to what what Gautama, what what ultimately is a teaching for those that <laughs> want it now and are ready to give up everything all desires and all preferences that are uh, uh, that are less than the desire for complete and perfect unbinding and release. So the term Muni as great sage, one who endeavors to approach the absolute truth by dint of mental prowess. And uh, I'll send that link to the Wisdom Library definition of Muni. So we know, okay, Muni is great sage, and the Moniya Patipada is basically the austerity path, the moral practice path of um, those that are rightly called sages because um, they have no other value <laughs> that they're seeking. They, they value nothing higher than supreme attainment now. And so... There is actually a Monia Sutta, uh, which is not the same as this, 
and it's considered the wiki the wisdom library definition is of the on on the the monia sutta is on or about the three perfections of a sage or a saint when the saint is called moniyani i really think that saint and sage and moniyani and muni are probably all the same so saint and sage and that was the three perfections are body speech and mind so somebody who's seeking absolute perfection in the activity and the conditions of body, speech, and mind. And that's why I call it the, the, the steep gradient uh, to complete and perfect awakening. And in, from the Wikipedia, there's a very short write-up. In fact, it's interesting how short it is. Uh, I guess nobody <laughs> realized how important this term is. Um, Wikipedia on Muni, which is translated as saint, uh, moral perfection of body, speech, and mind. Uh, interestingly, the, one of the uh, straight definitions of the term Muni is silent. And then there's something about the, the Mona. So Muni, Mona, Monia, uh, probably all the same. And this, for some reason, the Wikipedia, after saying silent, Muni meaning silent, or the mana, which is, then they wrote the word pause. So the saint can be seen, the saint or the sage, the one who perfects the sagely way, the, sagac the nature of sagacity in body, speech, and mind, has paused <laughs> from the ordinary ways of body, speech, and mind. They take a pause. Uh, and meditation, sitting meditation during a day can be seen as take a pause. Uh, Tibetan Buddhists in certain groups uh, recommend just 20-minute meditation several times a day. Certain Japanese, there was one Japanese teacher, I think it was Maizumi Roshi in L.A., or um, the guys on Mount Baldy. <laughs> it's a joke term for Japanese monks to call them Baldies, but there actually is in California a Mount Baldy, and I believe there's a monastery up there from a very austere Japanese Rinzai group. They, too, recommended or do uh, multiple of 20-minute meditations. They ate five times a day during their retreat weeks. Five times a day, tiny little meals or something like that, and they sat 20 minutes a day, you know, 10 times uh, the day for the week. Very heavy. And so uh, in India, they would do, you know, no-clock meditation. <laughs> in India, in tradition, they don't say, you know, set your alarm clock. They just said, sit at the tree and go and do it. But uh, later traditions, Tibetan and Japanese, got into shorter periods of meditation, <clears throat> which are like um, pausing, interrupting the ordinary functioning of body, speech, and mind. So Wikipedia goes on, says, a term for types of ancient Indian sages and hermits, or ancient Indian ascetics. And the ascetic is the one who's paused also, the one who has, has brought um, by restraint, you know, this is not just take it easy, flow on like the Taoist uh, is conceived in the West, although they're pretty disciplined. This, this is a person who's deliberately restrained on what they consider unnecessary activity of body, speech, and mind. <clears throat> and that's what the sage does. That's how sagacity is earned. Uh, and, and it's said here, <laughs> sages of this type, <laughs> what type of sage? The sage of this type are said to know the truth of existence and not on the basis of scientific texts, but through self-realization. And that's also a very nice term, uh, phrase. I mean, I remember, and a lot of us are this way, we don't need UFO research. We don't need photographs of UFOs. We know that, the, uh, that there are higher dimensional beings that come visit Earth. And... We don't need Mr. Scientist to tell us what's true. And that's very important because Mr. Scientist is uh, commonly corrupt these days. There are some that are great, um, but more so they are tools, it seems. And so uh, scientific texts are interesting and can be very helpful, but there are some things that they cannot disprove that we may know are so. And so the truth of existence this is also a you know, not very carefully chosen term. 
the truth of uh, one's true nature or the nature of one's um, essence or path or cosmology or goal. Um, like Ra saying, they're offering truth without proof. Um, truth can be known without proof. Uh, lack of proof is not lack of <laughs> truth. And there's the saying, uh, absence of proof is not proof of absence. So absence of proof, meaning no proof, like, you know, <laughs> no proof of uh, metaphysical reality or cosmology <clears throat> or soul. I just saw today, just yesterday, some professor in Surrey in the UK um, finally discovered consciousness is simply the product of the electromagnetic fields associated with brain tissue. That's it. It's solved. He's finally given us the answer. Consciousness is the product of electromagnetic fields interacting with brain tissue. Great. And so that's the materialist view, that consciousness is born of matter. And there is no soul, there is no mind. There is the brain and electromagnetic fields, which now they can measure to some degree. And consciousness is born of that. Okay. And so... <clears throat> Unfortunately, that's um, a sign of the end times. And so, um, we have Muni as sage, but particularly the one who is silent and has paused, or has, has paused the normal operation of body-mind, body-speech and mind, has become silent in some sense. They know inwardly, uh, or claim to know, some are, are frauds, I guess, but the true sage, or Muni, knows without having to be, having, needing it shown or proven, uh, and uh, this teaching, the Nalaka Sutta, uh, is basically a teaching of Moneya Patipada. And last time we talked about the four modes of practice, the four Patipada. And <laughs> now it's raining, you can hear. <clears throat> that, And I'll get to this before the end of today, if I can adequately pause and restrain myself. Uh, we, just as, just to put into the hopper for consideration later, there's four there, four, there can be considered four ways of this Monea top-level, steep gradient Monea Patipada, which um, Mingun Sayadaw calls uh, the path of moral perfection. It's the moral perfection, practice of moral perfection, uh, for those that are seeking to perfect uh, activity and, and conditions of body, speech, and mind now in this lifetime and finish it all. And the four Patipada, if you remember from last time, which I just introduce here and cycle back to later, painful practice with slow intuition, which means slow awakening, painful practice with quick intuition or awakening, pleasant practice, which means practicing with slow intuition and pleasant practice with quick or fast intuition or realization or awakening. So painful or pleasant, slow or fast, uh, painful or present, painful or pleasant progress, slow or rapid awakening. And just so you know, <laughs> uh, for those of you who may be anger aversion types uh, in Buddhism, you know, three unwholesome roots, called Three Poisons, Grasping, Aversion, Ignorance, right? Desiring, longing, lusting, salivating to get and hold and take and keep, and then aversion, hatred, frustration, anger, pissy minds, sourpuss, and, uh, you know, irritable, the, the, the Scrooge <laughs> type. Just, just the one who smells uh, bad odor regularly, meaning critical-minded. And then uh, delusion, ignorance, foggy-minded, uh, monkey-minded, uh, unable to think clearly, unable to think, blocked mind, constipated mental process, 
uh, so grasping aversion, ignorance, it's the aversion or anger uh, type that can have the fastest awakening. And the slowest is the delusion type. And this is um, to be borne in mind. <laughs> Those that can make breakthrough fast, um, make use of the energetics, the force of their predominant distortion of anger, hatred. And they go anger, hatred, <laughs> directed, redirected uh, inwardly, not to self, but to delusion and attachment and ignorance in mind. And so the fire force, the force of the fire of aversion, second poison, second unwholesome root, that type can awaken fastest, fastest, most, rap, most quickly. Uh, but they often have a lot of bad karma, and so it's a painful progress. But anyway, I want to maybe cycle back to that later, if, if need be. Uh, from Great Chronicle of Buddha's Mingun Sayadaw, the brilliant Burmese uh, who looks like <laughs> Chico Javier, uh, Chapter 11, Wisdom Library. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it, it basically does this um, huge expansion this, this is sort of Burmese, Burmese Abhidhamma. Um, in the Great Chronicle of Buddhas from Mingun Sayada, in some ways could be understood, I, it seems to me, as Burmese Abhidhamma, not, you know, based on maybe Buddha Gosha and all the traditional Vishuddhimaga texts of Buddhist Abhidhamma, meaning commentary on the text, on the suttas. This is a commentary on the commentary uh, from Burma. And it, it expands every, every stanza of Nalaka Sutta, but I'm not going to get into it. It's just much too much detail. But I will read the first two paragraphs on the page, and this was chapter 11 in the book, Great Chronicle of Buddhas. And it, it gets into so much detail. He says, every time a Buddha appears, there usually emerges a monk who cultivates the practice of moral perfection, monia. Right, the sagacity, the way of sagacity, the saint or sagely way. So, every time a Buddha appears, there usually emerges a monk who cultivates the practice of moral perfection, which also means that uh, that most intense perfection or cultivation is not necessary for Arahant. It doesn't always happen. At the time when our infinite and supreme Buddha of the three worlds, Triloka, right, Kamaloka, Rupaloka, Arupaloka, or seven dimensions, at the time when our infinite and supreme Buddha of the three worlds appeared, the monk who asked the Buddha about the practice of Moneya and who cultivated it was monk Nalaka. And here it's written as ne nephew of hermit Kaladevila, which seems to be the same as uh, Asita, the teacher of Suddhodana and you know, Gautama's grandfather. Anyway, Nalaka... Um, the account of the young man, Nalaka, Nalaka, having become an ascetic even before the appearance of Buddha has been given in that other chapter 10 about somebody else. And so we remember, maybe, that Nalaka was the son or the nephew of a counselor, a religious counselor to Gautama's grandfather and father, it seems. And he's also called Kala Devila, and uh, he was advised to go into seclusion uh, several decades before Gautama arrived. Second paragraph, the Buddha taught the sermon of Dhammachaka, wheel, Dhamma Chakra, meaning Dhamma or Law or Truth, wheel, <coughs> uh, the, the rolling of the, turning of the wheel of Dhamma, the first um, sutta, the first sermon or teaching. <clears throat> on the full moon day of Asalha, and made 18 crores of Brahmas, along with the venerable Kodanyatera, enter the path of emancipation, meaning they got one of the attainments. <clears throat> on the fifth moon, fifth waxing moon of the said month, he taught the five Panchavagi, the Antalakana Sutta, discourse on the doctrine of no self or uh, insubstantiality, and made them realize the fruition of Arahanship. This is all long, long, long. <clears throat> anyway, uh, at some point, um, 
actually it's the next one saying, and on the seventh waxing moon of the month of Asalha, the devas, higher dimensional benevolent beings, who had been in the audience listening to the sermon on Dhammachaka, the first one, and who wished for the welfare of the venerable Nalaka, uh, reported to him, Nalaka, in the Himalaya, that the Buddha had already appeared and delivered the sermon on Dhammachaka by saying, Venerable Nalaka, the Buddha has already delivered the first sermon of Dhammachaka at Isipatna, Migadaya, or Magadha. The Buddha has, in fact, visibly appeared among the devas, humans, and brahmins. So, Nalaka <clears throat> had a lot of good karma. He had an uncle who um, uh, prepared him, or told him to prepare uh, several decades in advance to Gautama's birth, or actually decades before Gautama's teaching. And then he <laughs> was uh, beloved by devas, higher dimensional beings looking in on him, who wanted to help him, and basically told him, uh, hello, Nalaka, uh, he's here now, so go there now, and get the teaching that your uncle uh, prepared you, uh, helped you, you know, had, help, uh, had you set out to prepare yourself to receive. And so, it, the devas, this is, a, you know, very real. I mean, people get inspiration, and some of that inspiration really is a metaphysical uh, transmission from higher dimensions, from benevolent beings that care about you. And it's also said that, um, in, I think in Theosophy, Bailey or some other tradition saying that um, when the mind-body-spirit complex is not making effort in its own evolution, higher self is sort of indifferent. <laughs> higher self doesn't pay attention when there's no calling. And when the soul, the mind-body-spirit complex reincarnating, uh, keeps itself um, materially focused, uh, no perfection seeking of body, speech, and mind. Uh, higher self is not much available because um, there's no need. So no, not, no call, no response. Meanwhile, on the far end, the, the person who does great spiritual practice or is seriously concerned with any type of spiritual practice, even, even power-seeking, seeking magical powers, uh, which is generally on the left-hand path, but then those who are seeking purification, like this monia patipada, the practice path of moral perfection, uh, they too attract communities. <laughs> nice big rain here. Uh, they too attract communities of higher dimensional beings who love them, who are happy and rejoice uh, at our work. And so um, this was another thing that we could even see in Astral City or No Solar. Uh, the souls in hell uh, don't have many helpers in Astral City. They don't have many people who love them. They don't have much love. They went to hell by their own misdeeds in body, speech, and mind, mainly wrong action, wrong speech, body, and speech, and uh, left this life with not many loved ones. So there are a lot of uh, agents, mm, if any will listen now, I don't think so, but there are a lot of uh, doers of, of evil deeds who will die hated by millions, hated by hundreds or thousands, and loved by nearly no one. That's not good. And so hated by many, and loved by nearly no one, dying, you most likely will have a long course, you, that one, will have a long course, a painful progress, uh, as a hungry ghost or in the hell realm. And uh, we need sponsors. <laughs> we need uh, those that love us. And the more you help, the more that people like you. And those are available, and you see it in the movie No Solar. The people that you've helped are available on the other side to help you. Whether you're in hell and need rescue, or you're in incarnation and need inspiration, or what, whatever. Um, the more you help, the more are happy to help you. And we're not just making our bed for this life, we're making our bed for the future. So... You make your bed, you sleep in it, um, make a lovely bed, 
of love, you know, and helpfulness and kindness. And um, we can't control the future, and we don't know what catalyst we've uh, signed up for. But we do know the law that um, bringing love and and kindness and helpfulness and clarity and honesty and virtue to people with us, generosity of heart and mind and time from green, blue, indigo, you know, love, wisdom, and spiritual awareness uh, brings merit. <laughs> that merit accumulates. That merit um, is just as Ross said, love is the greatest protection. The love is greatest protection because loving conduct or morality, shila, in the ways of body, speech, and mind that are moral, that are in love wisdom, that are benefit to self and other, uh, accumulate kar good karma, karmic merit, that will help us indefinitely on into the future, in countless ways. And so Nalaka, Nalaka, was a very high soul and had done years and years of practice and purified himself and one of the benefits was that higher beings were looking out for his welfare all right now let's go into Nalaka Sutta again and I just want to conclude the second half of it commenting on Gautama's teaching to Nalaka uh, prefaced by his intro saying, I'll explain to you a sagacity hard to do, hard to endure. Come now, I'll tell you. And so this is Moneya <laughs> Patipada, the steep path of um, restraint, pause, silence, and um, effort at perfection of mind, uh, or body, speech, and mind, to attain awakening now, in the here and now. Be steadfast, be firm. And so then there's some paragraphs, some verses about how to approach the village. Practice even-mindedness, for in a village there's praise and abuse, likewise in all social interaction. These worldly winds, right? Praise and blame. Uh, ward off any flaw in the heart. And so this is not this is teaching on uh, restraint, proper restraint of mind and speech. Uh, go about calmed and not haughty, uh, knowing that high and low things will come up like fire flames in a forest. And so, relationality oh, generates the worldly winds, pleasure, pain, gain and loss, praise and blame, honor, dishonor. And that's inevitable, and the problem is not that they happen, the issue is how we respond, and even if we have a distorted response, meaning we have flaws in the heart, <laughs> we have lower triad blockage, and sometimes we're haughty when people push us up, praise us up, or sometimes we're downtrodden or angry when someone abuses or criticizes us, then the key is how we meet the distorted response. Going on, uh, women seduce a sage, may they not seduce you. I think he was long beyond that. Abandoning sexual intercourse, abandoning various sensual pleasures. And here's some of the key teaching. Be unopposed, unattached to beings moving and still. So beings in the village. Um, and, and really, you know, the, the, the monipada, the monia patipada, the... the steep path of the, the sagely way here uh, is, n is nearly all, all solitary. Uh, the only relationality would be going to the village to get alms or interacting with other members of the Sangha or the teacher. And that's about it. So it's all Kaga Visana and uh, like the elephant or the rhinoceros actually um, wander alone. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, do whatever you like. Relationality has its um, beauty and benefits, and solitude too. Uh, be unopposed, unattached to beings moving and still. So don't oppose, even if you see their flaws and um, you know recognize, assess and discern their their distortions clearly. 
That doesn't mean opposing. That means knowing. <laughs> Speaking in opposition is where the, com the problem comes. Unattached. They are the way they are. <clears throat> and and the, the quote here is, As I am, so are these. As are these, so am I. And so uh, they can, we can be the way they are. They're flaws or distortions, we may well have them too, or we have had them, or we can be triggered to them. So as I am, so are these. They're not so different than me. As are these, so am I. Then, <coughs> drawing the parallel to yourself, neither kill nor get others to kill, right? First of the Panchasila regulations or <laughs> guidelines. Abandoning the wants and greed where people run of the run of the mill are stuck. Practice with vision. Cross over this hell. What hell? <laughs> the hell of ordinary people uh, stuck. Um, it's the hell of wanting and getting and um, losing the happiness of the initial the initial happiness of the acquisition, and then wanting more and then disliking not having, and disliking other conditions, trying to get away, getting free of them, and then other conditions <laughs> arise that we don't like to, or other opportunities to get more come up to. <clears throat> this is the endless round of, of grasping and aversion, and I think that's what he means by cross this hell, that, that endless round, which is a sort of a stuck in grasping, aversion, and ignorance. Cross over this that hell. Stomach not full, moderate in food, having few wants, being not greedy, not always hankering after desire. And so it's an attachment to desiring that is the basis of continued desiring. And so there is some sense. I want more. I mean, again, there's certain desires that are core needs uh, so that we can continue our evolution. And there are other desires that are unnecessary. And then there's the patterns of attachment to desire itself. And we all got that to some degree. <clears throat> but one can't <laughs> practice this moral perfection um, with unchecked hankering. One without hankering is one who's unbound. And so we, we self-bind by attachment to continued desiring. And it's ultimately continued desire or desiring that leads to aversion. It's because, and, and, and grief, aversion, anger, and grief actually very much come out of or associated with um, unchecked continual desiring. So unchecked continual desiring, uh, attachment to hankering, uh, brings in its train inevitable grief, sorrow, loss, um, and, and aversion, frustration, um, anger. Uh, because we don't always get what we want, or we lose the good we've gotten, so that's grief. Lose the good I've gotten gives grief, and not getting what I want um, brings aversion, or generates that. And that's just uh, how desire or craving, unchecked craving and clinging, which feeds straight into desire, um, inevitably lead to um, regular experience of uh, grief at loss and aversion, uh, anger, uh, hate even, at um, also at a certain loss or inability to gain. Going on, now this is where the, we ended last time and we'll pick up here. Having gone on his alms round, the sage should then go to the forest standing or taking a seat at the foot of a tree. So standing meditation is fine for a while. Um, and this is sort of the monk's daily schedule. The enlightened one, intent on jhana, meaning trance, should find delight in the forest, should practice jhana at the foot of a tree, attaining his own satisfaction. So the pleasure-seeking of the muni is jhana only. And this actually is written ooh huh about just a moment my wild cat has just caught either a bird or a mouse and is now 
about to devour it. Wow. You can hear her. She's a wild thing. <laughs> so she just caught some creature and is now supping. Yeah, yeah, it's a rat or a mouse. That's why they call them mousers. <clears throat> All right. So she seeks the mouse and uh, the Mooney seeks Jana. And that's how, uh, that's the pleasure-seeking of a, of a Muni <laughs> of the sage or the Arahant uh, and any, actually, who are um, very serious about um, perfection or attainment in this lifetime. Um, they've redirected sensual tana, sensual craving, to basically fulfill the longing for happiness or well or, or satisfaction or pleasure to practice of jhana. And that's the way, actually, that's explained in the Wings to Awakening by Tanasaro as very much associated with the way of pleasant progress. So there are two bases to pleasant progress. One, um, having um, karmic merit, not having a lot of bad karma. <laughs> a lot of bad karma equals painful progress, which means strong or intense grasping aversion ignorance. <clears throat> the unwholesome root, <clears throat> unwholesome roots, grasping aversion, ignorance, are strong and intense. That equals painful progress. On the other hand, when they're not strong, and when the person has more merit or past life virtue activity, and practices jhana, <clears throat> or or you know usually will be practicing jhana because they, that's where their seeking is redirected to some degree. That's pleasant progress. Going on, then at the end of the night, or in the early morning, he should go to the village, not delighting in an invitation or gift from the village. <clears throat> and what you'll see here is that some of the monks got attached to uh, gain and loss, or pleasure uh, and pain, or um, haughty versus um, um, angry at how they were treated in the village. So not delighting in an invitation or a gift, so not making a big deal of when they treat you well. Having gone to the village, the sage should not carelessly go among families, meaning uh, it's not a social visit. Cutting off chatter, he shouldn't utter a scheming word. Uh, and that's back to this, the silence of the true Muni. And you'll see this in another point, another verse down the line. Cutting off chatter, he shouldn't utter a scheming word. Quote, I've got something that's fine, meaning pride, pride in being treated well, given something good. Or, I've got nothing that's good, meaning haughty or angry, not haughty, but, but angry and frustrated that they didn't give me a good enough uh, bag of curry. That's what happens in Thailand. <clears throat> or some not non-delectable food. Being such with regard to both, meaning being such, meaning ta-ta-ta. <laughs> being being um, non-grasping and being in, in the natural state of awareness or mind or consciousness, which is very much like sati, being in mindfulness. I mean, realization of tatata or such uh, as it is nas is very much um, the culmination or the heart of sati, mindfulness, actually. Attentiveness, non-grasping attentiveness. So being such, so esoteric Buddhism, <laughs> being such with regard to both, this is why nobody reads this stuff, <clears throat> because it's too weird, uh, being such with regard to uh, getting something fine or, or getting something lousy, you know, you, you've got some kind of broken rice curry, poorly made, or whole, you know, puffy rice, yummy, <laughs> Yummy moist rice curry, with uh, made in a made by a fine household or something. Being such with regard to both, he returns to the very same tree, and that's also one of the ascetic practices, which is living under a tree, or practicing under a tree only, or going from tree to tree and not attached to one tree for two nights, and that's actually talked about in the Mingan uh, Sayadaw. Burmese commentary um, that this is a reference to the ascetic practices and 
the highest way is um, one tree, one village, uh, one night. Next night, new tree and new village so that one doesn't develop attachment. That doesn't work very well in the modern world. So, being such with regard to both, he returns to the very same tree, wandering with his bowl in hand, not dumb, but seemingly dumb. He shouldn't despise a piddling gift, nor disparage the giver. So, don't get puffed up if it's a big gift. Don't put down or look down on the little one. But you can recognize, yeah, it's a little gift, or that's not well-made curry, or... I wish I had something better, but don't make a big deal out of it. And this term, not this phrase, not dumb, but seemingly dumb, is restraint of speech, I think. <clears throat> Back to the, um, the training, the Muni's training of silence, to pause the ordinary ways of mind and speech, particularly. High and low are the practices proclaimed by the contemplative. They don't go twice to the further shore. This unbinding isn't sensed only once. Um, <clears throat> there's a difference here between sensing unbinding and going to the further shore. Further shore is enlightenment or nirvana or unbinding, uh, complete and perfect awakening, you know, finishing, the, the <laughs> finishing reincarnation in the octave. That doesn't happen twice, it happens once. That's the further shore. But sensing unbinding, this is from the commentary, Tanisaro explained it below. Uh, sensing unbinding happens each time there are one of these four levels of awakening. Right? So Tapana stream entry the first, and then once returner, non-returner, and then Arahant. That's a sensing of unbinding. And that's, um, I think, an excellent way of phrasing it. What, what these four um, point levels of awakening experiences of awakening are um, fruits of the path for the Arya Sangha, meaning those that are noble or those that have really put the, the Buddha Dhamma teachings into practice and attained. And that's a huge thing. And the, the Sri Lankan on Pridhamma.net talked about uh, listening to a teacher who's attained Sotapanna and beyond has a certain power that listening to a teacher who hasn't, doesn't. <laughs> and so, uh, I've got one who can see, she said. Uh, one who can see knows um, <laughs> something a bit more of what they speak than one who hasn't had a yet sensing of unbinding. <clears throat> and the unbinding is basically um, so-called deathless or nirvana, but it's sort of a cessation, it's a temporary, it's a sensing, it's a good way of putting it. Uh, um, in Buddhism, in, in where I was in the Zen temple, the teacher talked about it sort of like uh, opening the window, that, that the window's open or finally you can see through the window, but it takes more practice to uh, destroy the window pane. <laughs> then there's no window to open or close or clear or have yet dirty you bust out the window and then <laughs> there's no inner outer but uh, it's a progressive um, increasing opening or purification of the window or the seeing the sensing of that which is really beyond conceptualization and consciousness beyond subjective consciousness and beyond conceptualization so then going on in one who has no attachment, the monk who has cut the stream, meaning finished at all, abandoning what is and isn't a duty, no fever is found. And so this whole, this, this moneya patipada, or teaching to nalaka, or I say the very steep path, which is seeking a quick attainment, you know, whether it's painful or pleasant doesn't matter. The, the goal is get it now. Uh, there is a real detachment from even virtue. It, it, virtue is maintained, but it's left in the dirt as well. So vice or harm, any harmful ways of speech, action, and uh, mental process, you know, wrong, 
livelihood, wrong speech, wrong action, any forms of harmful speech or attachment to worldly winds or harmful activity is dropped by but but there's no attachment there there's a dropping of any attachment to virtue as well abandoning what is and isn't a duty so abandoning social duty abandoning the obligations of this world and abandoning abandoning doesn't mean stopping it just means not attached to virtue and certainly uh, long having put down interest in vice and so then it goes on he goes on I'll explain to you sagacity which I think is really monia monia patipada <clears throat> Gautama says be like a razor's edge pressing tongue against palate and that's uh, the meditative mudra of the tongue restrain your stomach which really means um, you're going to be hungry um, and sit through it. Neither be lazy in mind nor have many thoughts. Uh-huh. So that's also very middle way. You know, razor's edge means <clears throat> um, uh, balanced in a very delicate, delicately balanced between uh, attachment, attachment to uh, doing and attachment to non-doing attachment to thought and and attachment to um, stillness so don't be lazy in your mind meaning not a dull mind or a dar- a dim mind nor have many thoughts right so uh, some scaric proliferation is not happening the proliferation of thinking <clears throat> image memory imagination fantasy which is basically associated with grasping and aversion, normally. Uh, that's not helpful either. <laughs> so neither be lazy in... Buddhism has the middle path, right? The middle path, this is the middle path. Not lazy in mind, nor many thoughts. <clears throat> be committed to taintlessness, meaning no harmful patterns like asfravas or kleshas. Independent living the light, living the holy life as your aim. The aim is to live the, the Muni way rightly uh, to attain the goal. Train in solitude and the contemplative's task. Solitude is called sagacity. Boom. And so um, the sagely way the money, the perfect, the way of moral perfection. That's how Mingun Sayadaw calls it. Moneya Patipada as moral perfection. Doesn't matter whether it's fast or slow. It doesn't matter really whether it's painful or pleasant. You just do it. And it, it demands solitude. And I'm not saying anybody should do this. I'm just saying this is what this is, as best as I can understand it and explain it. So this supreme path <laughs> definitely is of solitude and uh, that's okay <laughs> going on alone you truly delight and shine in the ten directions so awakening as um, luminosity very many people not many a few people have done some great research I did I'm somewhere I did I don't know if it's great but I did some Somewhere I did, maybe at CIIS, talking about the metaphors of light and illumination in in Buddhism or various traditions. It's a very nice thing because, you know, uh, enlightenment, right? It's all about lightening, light versus heavy, yeah, lightening your load, and light versus dark, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and... Uh, it's said that many of the devas, some of the devas, they love a clean room. And so a messy fellow uh, is often smelly. And uh, certain angels stay away from that. <laughs> All right. On hearing the fame of the enlightened, those who practice jhana, relinquishing sensual, de- sensual pleasures, my disciples should foster all the more conviction and conscience. Foster conviction meaning what? Conviction in others? It's really a, probably your own conviction that your way is right. Um, and that this has been the case for a long, long time. 
in uh, among those uh, in the yogi yogins community uh, for those who are wise and worthy who seek their own perfection now or uh, seek that razor's edge path to be um, to do the great work um, it's always been spoken this way <laughs> and Gautama is speaking to Nalaka in the same way as to the requirements of this path and by that it, you ought to <laughs> have more conviction that you're doing the right way and it's good for you and some people you know, disrobe after they become a monk by, by the way and that may be just fine too because they shouldn't they, they bit off more than they could chew in this lifetime so going on and this is where we see more of this discussion of silence and the last few verses. Know, meaning understand, know from the rivers in clefts and in crevices, those in small channels flow noisily, the great flow silent. Whatever is not full makes noise. Whatever is full is quiet. The fool is like a half-empty pot sloshing around. One who is wise, a full lake, meaning like a full lake. A contemplative who speaks a great deal, endowed with meaning, knowing he teaches the Dhamma, knowing he speaks a great deal, like some here. But, meaning that's fine, that's a contemplative, that's just fine, but this is not that, this is higher than that. But he who, knowing also, and is restrained, knowing, does not speak a great deal. He is a sage worthy of sagehood. That's the Muni or Monea way. He is a sage, his sagehood attained. And so the value of silence and the association of the great with uh, calm, um, the, the small and the great, the noisy and the silent, the full and the empty, or full and the half full, or full and half empty. <laughs> so, full is quiet. Whatever is full is quiet. Now, there are people who, you know, you can gorge on food and be full and quiet because you're in a brain fog. That's a different type of full and quiet. <clears throat> but this is really um, full of light. <laughs> uh, when thine eye is... Uh, when when thine eye is single, thy body shall be full of light. <clears throat> when your eye is single, when the eye is unified, um, the body or bodies are full of light. Uh, this is very much about six chakra activation, I think. But this is just a it's just it's a rule of thumb, and it's actually a very easy um, uh, self training uh, towards right speech. Not not in perfection of right speech, but towards right speech or supporting right speech, which is an understanding that um, look at the people around you. <laughs> Those that are yak, yak, yakking commonly um, have some problem. Not everybody, but commonly. And those that are quiet may be um, more in peace. Or <clears throat> observe, observe human interaction and see who may well be uh, a small channel uh, flowing noisily and those others that are not. And <clears throat> it doesn't mean we should be quiet all the time. It doesn't mean that yak-yak or talking a lot is a problem per se. Uh, but <laughs> it is simply true that um, there's a difference between um, mature silence and immature noisiness. <laughs> and we can observe it. And observe it in others and observe it in ourselves. <clears throat> and that doesn't mean harsh self-restraint. At least I'm not recommending that. Uh, but mm, in a society that values production and consumption, commonly there's an overvaluation of speech. <clears throat> an overvaluation of having the spotlight of being the center of attention. Well, okay, you can be in the center of attention, uh, but you'll probably be blinded by the false lights. 
<laughs> so we talked about this before, <clears throat> the uh, blinding inhumanity of the stage lighting. Um, those that seek uh, to be the center of attention and those that seek to seek name and fame, right? Talking about name and fame. Uh, you want name and fame? Go ahead. <laughs> and you will have all the dukkha that comes with your name and fame and all the demerit or karmic load that you've generated. <clears throat> and, and the, you know, it's like the best teachers don't want to be teachers. They just want to keep growing or learning or helping. Uh, but those that want to be in the spotlight um, are commonly those in the spotlight, unfortunately. And um, that's the opposite of Moneya Patipada, period. And so this is a teaching on <clears throat> the one who can do, who, who's, no, who's no longer interested in harm or um, klesha, uh, karmic attachment, or karmic distortion, karmic uh, confusion and binding. <clears throat> They're also not attached to virtue and um, public, public display of virtue. And so they know the Dhamma. They could speak a great deal, but they don't. They prefer restraint or calm or kagavisana uh, to a more worldly spiritual engagement. But that's really appropriate for those that are ready to leave the octave or certain lifetimes or certain phases of certain lifetimes. You know, it's valuable. There's a value to engagement. There's a value to solitude. But, but the, this is not <clears throat> an encouragement <clears throat> of um, uh, world service <laughs> in the way, in the, inter, in, the, in the form of relationality. You can say that the one that's fully enlightened does universal service, serving the whole of the seven densities uh, by their attainment, for sure. But it's, it's um, not uh, the way of so-called service to other and social engagement in this uh, social complex. <clears throat> and it's actually most appropriate, as a, as a way of life, as one's life path, it's only appropriate for very few. And there are some that are living that way that, are get, that get themselves into trouble. <clears throat> there are some people who are doing very well um, in deep social relationality or engagement also. So, but there is, it, it is a law, it is, seems to be uh, uh, observed natural phenomena <clears throat> that um, those in small channels flow noisily and the great uh, is quiet. Um, the great Mississippi uh, is quiet and the um, flash flood creeks down the mountainside are loud or louder. So, um, so again, this is a teaching on the steep path and yet we can take, I think, a lot, a lot of value from it and apply selectively to our own way. <clears throat> and finally, there's that point about um, the four ways of progression four modes of practice, or four qualities of uh, patipada, where it's painful or pleasant and slow or fast. And if you wish it to be less painful, uh, this is not the whole of the teaching here, but part of the teaching, is uh, to develop merit and uh, pain, the degree of pain is associated physical pain, emotional pain, interpersonal pain, loss, blame, abuse, dishonor, um, illness, injury, accident, anything that's unpleasant, uh, is karmically um, is karmically lawful, and so change the karmic stream, and you'll change the quality of experience in in the future, in the long run. And a little goes a long way. There is the law of squares. And so uh, merit, uh, a, 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 
an attachment mm -hmm. or a commitment somewhat to merit, to virtue. It's really, you know, virtue brings merit. So it's the commitment to virtue that brings merit. <clears throat> and that commitment to virtue um, is an investment in our future <laughs> and uh, begins with generosity um, and um, needs to be applied all to, you know, mind, mind, body, speech, and mind, uh, and hugely explained, but that's um, protective. So virtue as protective, and this is really important. <laughs> if you want to help yourself um, and therefore be in a better position to help others, if you don't help yourself, you're probably not going to be quite qualified to help others. But uh, one critical means of helping oneself is to uh, have some commitment to virtue <laughs> and, and therefore naturally gain merit and uh, use that merit for all beings, for self and other. There's nothing selfish about taking good care of yourself. That's service to other. That's the problem with the raw material. <laughs> one of them. <clears throat> you can't call uh, the moni, it's it, to say monia patipada, which is very self-focused, right? It's uh, all solitary, mainly. To call that service to other um, <laughs> is more than some minds can handle. Raw. So, uh, how about service to all? How about the way of um, love, wisdom, truth? So, anyway... Um, you can look into these pages to study more. And, and the, by the way, the key, so the key to, to moving out of painful to pleasant progress is virtue and merit. Shila, Panchashila, and Dana. And the key to quick uh, comprehension or understanding or awakening or insight is uh, Pancha Indriya, the five Indriya faculties, which are faith or conviction, energy uh, or persistence, which also is virya, like viral, virya, um, effortfulness, mindfulness, shila, concentration, samatha or shamadhi, or samadhi, or um, I guess it's samadhi, and then discernment, prajna or panya, wisdom, which is also clear seeing. So faith and energy, persistence, mindfulness, attentiveness, of your own process, particularly. Concentration, <clears throat> the ability to concentrate, the desire to settle down and see clearly. And discernment, which is the identification of what's being seen clearly. <clears throat> that leads to faster awakening, those qualities. When they're strong, the awakening or the clarity or the development is fast. And when they're weak, it's slow. So uh, I recommend you look at that if you're interested so that's it for today. <laughs> it's a heavy sutta, actually. And next time we'll conclude Mahavaga with um, the 12th sutta. Dvaya, dvaya Tanupasana. Uh, dvaya Vaya Tanupasana. Uh, the Noble One's Happiness or a Teaching Hard to Know or Contemplation of Dualities. It's so strange how everybody, nobody really has a fidelity. This is not a fidel, not, not, there's not much fidelity among 3D humans, even good ones. Uh, this Dvayatanu uh, Pasana is simply translated. <laughs> and you can't, you know, why not translate it literally? I don't know. Is that confusing to some people to have a literal translation? So, anyway, <laughs> it's associated with dualities. Tanisaro called it, not all dualities are misleading. This sutta teaches ways to contemplate the duality of the origination and cessation of stress or suffering, meaning dukkha, meaning dukkha coming up and ending at nirvana, so as to reach awakening. So we'll look at duality and dukkha, the, the basis and the ending of dukkha. <clears throat> and then we'll see. I may take a break and come back to the other chapters of Mahavaga later. 
um, chapter, chapters of uh, Sutta Nipata later, which is Ataka Vaga and then uh, Parayana Vaga. I'll see about those two chapters in Sutta Nipata later. Anyway, <laughs> I'm one who talks a lot, but I hope it was useful. And um, after one talks a lot, one can be quiet a lot. So, I hope you're well. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I hope it was interesting. I hope you got a lot of uh, spiritual nourishment and uh, enrichment for your continued path and uh, appreciating uh, such and what is. So, take good care. See you next time. And good night.